0: Save big money in your next project with help from Menards. Move water where you need it quickly with a Barracuda sump pump. Sump pumps keep your basement dry when big storms hit unexpectedly. Get a half-horsepower cast iron Barracuda sump pump on sale now through May 5th. Hurry into Menards. And don't forget to check out our weekly flyer on Menards.com for all the great deals happening now.
1: Save big money at Menards.
0: This is an historic time. This is going to be a multi-year
1: fight. Why is it taking so long to get a screening test? It is not a
0: hoax, it is real. Something that we have never experienced before. Wash hands, wash hands, wash hands. I mean, you're the scientist, you're going to have to tell me. (laughs) Welcome, welcome to Science Rules Coronavirus Edition. I'm your host, Bill Nye, and this is the series that brings you the latest analysis and the science of this pandemic. We want to keep you informed, prepared, and calm. We are all in this together, my friends. Now, with the big exception of a few places like Michigan, New York, and New Jersey, the rate of COVID infection across the country has pretty much leveled off, and roughly 3 million people every day are getting a vaccine. In other words, The end is in sight, my friends, if we just keep wearing masks, avoiding indoor gatherings, and for Louis Pasteur's sake, people, get vaccinated. Here at Science Rules Coronavirus Edition, we think it's time to start looking forward at how we can avoid having to go through all this again with COVID-22 or whatever, the next pandemic, whatever it's going to be called. But to look forward, we should, we must, we have to look back at how all this began. Most likely somewhere near Wuhan, China, most likely in a bat. And according to the evidence that we have today from the World Health Organization, that's just how it went down. A bat at a wet market, and somehow we all got sick. So how do viruses cross from bats to humans? And most importantly, what do we have to do to prevent that from happening again ever? And here to help us understand this better is Dr. Christian Walzer. He's the chief global veterinarian for the Wildlife Conservation Society. Dr. Christian Walzer, welcome to Science Rules Coronavirus Edition.
1: Do I call you Chris? Yeah. Hi, Bill. And thanks very much for having me.
0: How does a virus get from an animal to a human? Uh, Is that what you all call a spillover event?
1: Right. Yeah. So in general, the spillover events... um, you know, encompass uh, different possibilities for, for viruses which naturally circulate in wildlife species to spill over into humans. So it's all about these contact areas, these interfaces between wildlife, humans, and often their livestock as well. And so there are many of these interfaces. And one of them are live animal markets where we sell um, wildlife, you know, often from across the globe stashed together. That's one interface, but it's not the only interface. So we have forest interfaces when you put a road through it. Um, agricultural expansion will also create interfaces with wildlife.
0: I've certainly been places where we're in the US where people are selling lobsters, but bats,
1: live bats to eat. Is that really where this thing came from? So the ancestral host of this virus, this coronavirus, comes from a bat, a horseshoe bat species, which is one of them. And they're widespread across Southeast Asia and China, but also in the um, neighboring countries, Vietnam, Laos, Cambodia, Myanmar, and so on. The way the spillover happened, based on the nice summary that the WHO provided, is it's not quite that simple. It's not that someone ate a bat. There are actually no bats on the market in Wuhan, and that's not a tradition in that part of China to eat bats. So the spillover happened sometime previously, and the spillover happened either directly to humans with a cryptic evolution of the virus in a rural population, no one noticed, mostly wildlife traders. The idea would be there would be wildlife traders, people that work with wildlife, and these... um, Individuals then travel to the market in Wuhan where this amplification event happened. Alternatively, and probably the most likely explanation, and that is also the um, thought of the WHO Commission, was that the spillover happened from a bat species into an intermediary host. So that's another wildlife species, most likely wildlife, where the virus then evolved to acquire the necessary traits, so the properties that allowed it to then infect humans, and more importantly, to um, get the properties to transmit from human to human. Because that's rather rare, thankfully. Where did SARS come from? So SARS also has its origin in a bat species, also a horseshoe bat species, and then over using an intermediary host um, of civets and raccoon dogs, or um, these wildlife species that are regularly traded in, you know, on markets uh, across china in this case to humans but remember it took us uh two three years to figure that out back in the day
0: so what's what would be an intermediate species so here's the bat walking around flying around rather with coronavirus right. if there's some hypothesis what's the hypothesis how it got from the bat habitat bat ecosystem
1: all the way to this wet market. So the way to understand these markets, uh, these large commercial and urban markets throughout um, China and other parts of Southeast Asia are, are quite special. First of all, just their sheer size and the volume of wildlife, which is traded for human consumption. The farms that produce uh, the, this wildlife, and these a lot of them are rodent species, for example, porcupines, Um Bamboo rats, those make up a a large proportion of the animals. But then you have other things like civets, badger species, and so on and so forth. But you just said they're farmed. These animals are raised. Many of those are farmed, but the concept of farming is quite porous. That means wildlife taken from the wild is coming into these farms. There's a complete admixture of species there. Bats, in fact, one of the species there for example, raccoon dogs. That would be a really good intermediary host. Or civet, again. And What's a
0: raccoon dog? It's a dog that has a striped tail or somebody?
1: Sort of, it looks a bit like that. It's a mix between a dog and a raccoon, yes. that's uh, um,
0: And they wander around the
1: farm. They actually raised on farms often for for fur, for fur production. But they do get switched out. Um and end up in the human um, for human consumption on the market as well. So it's quite a fluid system. They may be legal, for example, for producing fur, but they are illegal to sell them for um, human consumption. But that still, that animal keeps moving between these different spheres. Legislation around this is very, very porous, and it it's actually very difficult for the authorities to 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 know what is actually legal at one point in time.
0: When you say authorities, you talk about
1: Chinese authorities or World Health Organization? In this case, Chinese, this is a national market that's regulated in China or in Vietnam or in Indonesia, everywhere. So it's national legislation, which is responsible. There is no consensus or international regulation or legislation that regulates wildlife trade and health and disease, except for what we call the game species, as you pointed out in North America, deer species and the traditional game species, those are quite tightly regulated. Everything else is not regulated. And that is a big difference to agricultural species like um, poultry, um, cattle, pigs Pigs. and so on, which are um, regulated on an international scale. Basically, we have co-evolved with them for thousands of years during the domestication process. Yes. Yeah, domestic. So the farm
0: animals we have lived with for centuries. So whatever diseases they may have had, whatever, and this is the famous, famous thing of cowpox and smallpox. For crying out loud they're so close that one could be the vaccine for the the word vaccine comes from cow. Exactly. So you're saying it's different. It's just, there isn't really an analog. No.
1: So this is really quite different, and the What's important to understand, first of all, we have not co-evolved with these species, so we have not had thousands of years of time to acquire these diseases, um, build antibodies against them, or make them uniquely our own. The most famous one is probably measles, a disease which we acquired from, from cattle and have now made uniquely our own. Domestication had a price, yeah, and there was um, population growth um, during domestication of livestock stopped on a global um, level. People were just dying of disease the entire time, but now we have these new um, interfaces with with um, wildlife and new pathogens. Of course, there are hundreds of thousands of viruses out there, and that have potential to infect humans.
0: Let's get back. I'm still curious about this. So here are the bats flying around in an ecosystem, 600 miles, thousand kilometers from this wet market. Right. And there's spec- you, have, you guys, you all have speculated that there's an intermediate species between bats and humans. Right. And it might have been the raccoon dog walking, or or wandering around in these farms, which are porous. Uh, porous being your term for they come and go through the fields, right? With all this, is there a way to work backwards? And I ask because is there a way to avoid this happening again? That is to say, if you knew the most likely intermediate species... Could you identify that species and do our best to prevent COVID-23 or
1: whatever is coming next? So let's just take one step back. Basically, as you say correctly, the bats are flying around in this rural area. There's a big farm. And let's say this farm holds um, porcupines. Let's just pretend. These are porcupines are raised for food. And they're they're raised for food. There are large rodent species, the the, um, bats are pooping down on the farm, people are cleaning up. A coronavirus from a bat gets into a porcupine, manages after many, many tries to enter a porcupine cell, starts replicating there. There's a thousand porcupines on this farm. There's a beautiful pool in which this virus starts evolving, new mutations, maybe recombinations because There's a second species that also has a coronavirus. And at one stage, the virus has either acquired the traits to transfer to the humans that are handling the porcupines, and then the porcupines go to the market in Wuhan, for example. So they're loaded up in a truck plus their handlers or keepers, and they end up on the market. And then the virus, depending on its evolutionary stage, jumps over to other humans or just keeps infecting humans where it will then at some stage acquire those necessary traits.
0: Well, the truck driver, for crying out loud, driving from porcupine exactly. farm to, yeah, I mean, heck, there's no goalie,
1: as we say. So what we don't know is, was it the, was it the people or was it the intermediary host? We don't know that at the moment. It's, it's difficult to entangle that at the moment. Is it possible that this was a lab
0: leak that somebody was trying to f- understand this virus and j- it, even as careful as he or she was trying to be, it still leaked out? Is that possible? Oh, is
1: that I mean, it is possible, it is just highly, highly unlikely. It's just the most obvious um, way for spillover to occur is this route bat intermediary species to a market. There is no way it can be excluded at the moment, but as the WHO pointed out themselves it is highly unlikely it's the most unlikely of their four hypotheses so oh what are the what are the other 3 one is the direct spillover from bats to humans in a rural area and then a um, hidden infection and development of the virus then the spillover to an intermediary species and then to humans. That's seen as the most likely scenario. Mm -hmm. The third one is also seen as unlikely is the movement of the virus through um, frozen meat. I'm sure you've seen that around in the media. And the fourth one was the lab leak.
0: We'll be back right after this. Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one McKrispie. so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour. Meet Gail, her thing is being a supermom, and Supermom has a lot on her super-sized plate. <laughs> Ain't that the truth, but at Walmart Pharmacy? Supermom recently got her whole family updated on all their vaccines.
1: We knocked it out during a grocery run. No appointment.
0: That's next level Supermom. From pneumonia to shingles, HPV, and more, get no-cost vaccinations from an expert pharmacist where you already shop. Welcome to an easier pharmacy. Welcome to your Walmart. Zero dollar copay with most insurances. State age and health restrictions may apply. When your space has the long-lasting, noticeable scent of Airwick Vibrant Essential Mist, you'll want to invite everyone over. From book club to reality TV watch parties, even the in-laws. It smells amazing. Airwick Vibrant Essential Mist is infused with two times more essential oil versus regular Airwick Essential Mist for our most authentic, nature-inspired fragrance experience. Airwick Vibrant Essential Mist is perfectly portable and effortlessly easy, the way fragrance should be. Now that's a breath of fresh Airwick. What other diseases did this happen with? That is to say, from animal to human, maybe with or without an intermediate? And then can we use that information to prevent it happening again?
1: Yeah, I think that's really the core point. Instead of focusing on this SARS coronavirus 2, which we naturally do at the moment, of course, we need to think about the whole concept of spillover interfaces. So some of the most devastating diseases like HIV AIDS spilt over from from Primates through consumption of primates, because there was one called SI simian. There's a SIV, and that's still in circulation. And there are humans which have um, built antibodies against SIV. It has no clinical um, consequences. Wow! So you can walk around with a gorilla, or as an example,
0: with a primate immunodeficiency virus. You can walk around with it and have
1: no symptoms. Exactly. Yeah, you'd be surprised. So as a veterinarian, um, when they take our blood and look for what we've seroconverted, what we've built antibodies on, it's quite, it's quite surprising at times. So without clinical symptoms, we will have antibodies against quite a slew of um, pathogens, which we pick up in manipulating animals and doing surgery and whatnot, on, especially large animals.
0: And why do you say especially large animals? Because it's
1: complicated DNA? No, it's just that when we work with large animals, often it's not in aseptic, sterile conditions. Um, when if we be, you're
0: the kind of person that kisses your dog, for example. <laughs> it's a bad idea. Roy Rogers used to give his horse a kiss. That was a
1: whole thing here in the States. You know, kissing a horse has been deadly in, with the spillover of hendrovirus from fruit bats to to horses. And hey, tell us that story.
0: Wait, wait a second. I don't know that story. Tell us that story.
1: <laughs> it just was very fitting because normally you could kiss a horse. It's not a problem. But in this case, um, fruit bats were displaced through deforestation and changing of their environment. And these bats were driven to roost on trees, which were above a horse farm in Australia the bats would roost on the tree and the people would tie up their horse below the tree for the shade, but they transmitted a paramyxovirus, which is now named Hendra virus, and um, it was deadly for humans. But the virus had fortunately did not transmit between humans. They worked it out quite quickly, but it didn't have that capacity. Wow.
0: didn't know that story. Man, oh man. So uh, with all this, how do we prevent this from happening again?
1: So generally, there's you know two approaches. One of them is, of course, stopping markets where you're trading live mammals, wildlife species, mixing them together, having so you know if you keep them close together, they poop and you slaughter things there, and so on and so forth. You're creating the perfect um, cauldron of of contagion, basically. So that has to stop. That's a super interface. But we also have to be really cognizant of the fact that there are Many, many other interfaces. So, when we build a road through a tropical forest and deforest there, we are creating new contact areas between humans, their livestock, and wildlife that previously did not exist. And with that wildlife comes the pathogens as well. So, we're creating these new um, interfaces everywhere in the world at a rate that, that has never happened before. And this is what's changing. It's the rate of destruction, these edges of destruction we're creating, where the spillover happens. Is that because there's so many humans now? It's You know, it's not the number of humans alone. It's the what these humans consume, and it's the resources these humans need to use. We drive cars and heat our houses, run air conditioning also. And in order for us to do many of these things, we are deforesting um, those places in the Southern Hemisphere, of course, in the tropics. So our life, our quality of life and the, the, the luxury we have is utterly dependent on um, exploiting the Southern Hemisphere. There's no question about that.
0: So uh, we're not going to stop building roads, are we? I mean, we're not going to stop expanding. And everybody in the developing world wants to live the way we live in the developed world. What if, what would you do about it if you were king of the forest in this
1: situation? What would you do? <laughs> so one of the really important things is that we need to absolutely protect those intact areas that are still in existence. So those large forests, um, which are intact, and we need to keep those edges intact. We need to keep those forests intact. There's multiple reasons for doing that. One of them, of course, at the moment is that we don't want things to spill over from the forest. Of course. But the other one, these large forests are also going to be key in helping us mitigate climate change um, impacts as we move forward. You know, 30 to 35 percent of all climate change effects can be mitigated by nature-based solutions. So there are multiple reasons to keep these um, places intact. That is probably the most important thing we need to do. And that also includes going into these intact areas, capturing wildlife, be it illegally, like the famous pangolin and so on, transporting it across half of the world and then bringing it to a market where it is a pure luxury item. It's a status symbol to a pangolin. There is no nutritional need for the people who consume these animals. And at the same time, when we stop that, Movement of wildlife out of these intact forests, we're also protecting the indigenous peoples and the local communities that are utterly dependent on this wildlife. You've mentioned
0: many times
1: forests. Is there something special about forests? Yes, well, forests, of course, have multiple functions. First of all, the, the last remnant tropical forests are also the hotspots of biodiversity, they have um, important climatic impact, so for rainfall, for um, carbon sequestration, so for, for mitigating climate change. And then they provide innumerable resources for the people that actually live there, but for all of us, our antibiotics, medicines, foodstuffs, and so on, which we acquire and use from these tropical forests. Then simple things like clean water. Clean water requires watersheds, which are intact, which filter the water, which allow that the downstream uh, human populations can access water. They have cooling effects and so on.
0: So uh, a famous or infamous or notorious situation where COVID-19 apparently infected the big cats at the Bronx Zoo. How much of that goes on? Because if that goes on, it seems to me humans... Humans get this virus spread all over the place, infect wildlife. There's going to be mutations in those animals, and they're going to come back with a new form of the thing and then
1: reinfect everybody. How much of that is a problem? So that that is a theoretical problem, and, and we have seen... So that's what's called a spillback. So first of all, we get the spillover from wildlife to us humans, and then we, because we're interacting with wildlife and other animals... The virus can spill back. And as you rightly point out, within, after that spillback, there could be a new evolutionary phase and we would get new recombined or mutated virus spilling back. Now, the cats, like the, the cats in, in the Bronx Zoo, which by the way recovered without practically no symptoms, are not very good hosts for this virus. But in contrast to the, to the cats, we've read a lot about mink, and you've seen that mink are used for, on fur farms mink are a very, very good host. They're highly susceptible to the virus. And because they're kept under these terrible conditions where you have thousands and tens of thousands of mink, they provide that fantastic evolutionary pool for a virus. So you're working on a mink farm, you happen to have coronavirus, you infect your mink, and then... You get an infection through that farm where you have, you know, tens of thousands of mink, and that's a really dangerous pool for new variants to because you from.
0: get a mutation, a new variant that comes back exactly. to get the human. Yeah. So, for example, in that example, could you change the rules regarding mink raising? Would that be a model <laughs> for
1: uh, other similar problems? So let me just be quite blunt, and this is my very personal. Bring it on. Yeah, this is my personal position on that. We're 2021. I'm sitting here, I'm wearing a fleece out of recycled plastic. I have a Gore-Tex jacket and there is no need for me or anyone else as far as I'm concerned on this planet to wear fur. So ban, stop fur farming of and all these other species. Makes no sense. The, the source of the virus is a really high likelihood that it Happening, one of the found wildlife species, be it the fur, one of the fur species or some of those for human consumption. We need to stop using wildlife in this form. It's too dangerous and it's too costly. Where's the next, if I understand the use of this
0: term, zoonotic disease gonna come from? Is it gonna come from a fur farm? You would hope
1: not. You would hope that legislation will be wow. in place. Hope
0: is not a plan, people. <laughs> no. Hope is
1: not a plan. <laughs> You know, on the one hand, we see uh, in China legislation being put in place um, and strict bans on wildlife um, farming for human consumption have been put in place, um, compensation schemes to, to replace uh, the, the lost income of the farmers who, who were working with this wildlife. That's already in place and that's moving forwards very, very rapidly. You will not find wildlife legally on any market in, in China anymore.
0: So if you had one big message, if you had one message for the world, what what is it exactly then?
1: My big message for for the world would be there are practices and exploitation of nature that we now accept that have to stop. That is deforestation, that is encroachment of the environment, and that is farming wildlife for multiple purposes, for commercial purposes. Makes no sense, absolutely no sense.
0: Listen to that, people. Thank you so much, Chris. I really appreciate you taking the time. My guest today has been Dr. Christian Walzer, Chief Global Veterinarian for the Wildlife Conservation Society. I'm Bill Nye, and my friends, this is a pandemic. We are all in this together, and more than ever, everyone, science rules. If you like science rules, please take a moment to rate and review it in Apple Podcasts and on Stitcher. Helps us out, helps other people learn about the show. So thank you. And Science Rules Coronavirus Edition is produced by Harry Huggins and Corey S. Powell. Our editor today is Tracy Samuelson. Our engineer is Luz Fleming, who also mixed this episode. Josephine Margarano is our executive producer. Special thanks to Casey Hallford. And remember, at Stitcher and all around the world, Science Rules.